Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the first episode of the Hot Esquina podcast. We are John and Enrique, and we are two Cuban dudes with a passion for Yankees baseball. Today, we are going to introduce ourselves and we'll talk about a few current topics in the ever-changing world of baseball, and we'll be right back after this. It is high, it is far, it is gone. Ahí va, por el field, olvídala, se va a la calle, en la, en la calle. Esa se va, se va, se fue. And welcome back, let's introduce ourselves. Enrique, I'll have you go first. Uh, what's up, everyone? My name's Enrique. I am 38 years old. Cuban American, uh, born in Cuba, raised here. Um, baseball junkie, pretty much a diehard baseball junkie ever since I was a kid. I have always loved talking, playing, and watching baseball. I was that kid that played uh, baseball video games with my friends after playing baseball outside. Um, Obviously, grew up a big Yankee fan. Grew up idolizing Paul O'Neill. That was my guy. Um, grew up in the golden era of the Yankees, the 90s, um, when pretty much the Yankees were unstoppable, where Derek Jeter was the guy, the captain. And, you know, just love my Yankees baseball. Can't get enough of it. And um, I'm super excited to be on this pod with you, John. <laughs> Thanks. A little bit about myself. I am uh, 34. Um, I currently write and do photos and do video for Pinstripe Prospects. That's probably where uh, many of you know know me from. Um, I live in Tampa, so I cover the Tarpons and um, the low-A Tampa Tarpons and the rookie level for the Complex League Yankees. Um, I've been doing that since uh, May of last year, since when the season started. Um. Like Enrique, I'm a, I'm a diehard Yankees fan. I've been uh, following minor league baseball uh, since 1994, I think, was the first year of the New Haven Ravens. Um, at the time, they were the AA affiliate of the Colorado Rockies. So I've been fortunate to see guys like Ted Helton and uh, Vlad Guerrero Sr. Uh, play in the minors. And then seeing uh, Guerrero Jr. play in Dunedin was pretty cool, seeing both the father and the, um, the son play uh, in the minors. So that's one of the neat things about following minor league baseball is you get to see these guys and then having um, the Hall of Fame conversation with Todd Helton and Guerrero Sr. was uh, pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, that's that's um, sounds like you had a great uh Un buen don pudiendo, pudiendo verlos a ellos en, en las menores ligas, John. O sea, no mucha gente pueden decir que, que, que hicieron eso. And yes, by the way, guys, we're both Cubans. So this podcast, as you guys can tell by the, by the uh, title, is going to be bilingual. So you'll hear a little Spanish here and there thrown in between me and John, right, John? Yeah, pero la verdad es que no hablo perfecto como tú porque yo soy americano y de, de parte de de la familia de mi mamá era, era de Cuba, pero lo, el español mío no es perfecto, pero hablo bastante, creo. Nah, yo creo que tú haces bien, chico. <ríe> eh, yo, yo nací en, en Cuba, yo nací en Santa Clara. Eh, me fui de ahí bien, bien jovencito, criado aquí, pero mis padres siempre me forzaron a hablar español en casa para que no lo pierda y gracias a Dios por eso, porque... Soy bilingüe. <laughs> y también mi familia era de parte de, de Cienfuegos, por ahí, de, de Cruce, de, um, de Ranchuelo. Pues nosotros somos casi vecinos. Coño, está bueno. Está yeah. bueno eso. All right, so we're going to go back to the English part of it. Um, let's see what we got. So, Enrique, I'll ask you this. What do you want to see after the lockout ends? And when do you think it will end? When will we see, or and will we see spring training start on time? Because I know they're going back to the meeting uh, today. I don't expect anything to get done because it's just been a lot of negativity as far as that goes. Um, so what do you want to see after the lockout ends? Do you want to see the Yankees sign guys? Do you want to see um, 
you know, is there, do you want to see them sign like Suzuki, the Japanese guy that's supposed to be talking to a whole bunch of different teams? What do you want to see for the Yankees? Um, well, I want to see activity. Uh, I'm of the mindset that uh, I just want to see them improve. I would like to see them add another pitcher behind Garrett Cole, a, a nice solid number two. Um, I feel like Jamison Tyone did good in that aspect, but let's be realistic. You know, he's not a real legit number two. He's, he would be perfect as a number three, but I'd like to see a solid one, two combo between Cole and somebody else. I would like to see them get that shortstop situation resolved. I do not want Carlos Correa here, but given the fact that the guy I did want, Corey Seager, was snatched up. I feel like you got to go with the hot hand and go with the top player available. And I'm sorry, to me, that's not Trevor's story. That's Carlos Correa. I would like to see them shore up the center field position. Um, ideally, I would also like to see them get the catcher position resolved, um, given Gary Sanchez's struggles. But I feel like that one is to be determined at a later date. I feel like they're going to stay with Sanchez at least one more season. And as far as uh, Suzuki, I've heard rumors, John. I don't know about you, but I've heard rumors that uh, Yankees aren't in the running. Um, I believe, uh, I think Seattle and somebody else is in the running. I don't remember. I'd, I'd have to look that up if you give me a second. Yeah, I think it's Seattle, uh, Boston. From what I understand, it's Seattle and Boston are favorites. Uh, the Yankees are kind of in, for com- in the conversation, but it's all over the place. And even with the lockout, who knows what's going to happen with that. Um, while you look that up, I'll talk about what my thoughts are. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I'll get to see baseball no matter what, because the spring training is going to happen for minor leaguers. Um, there's a lot of the Yankees farm guys are on their way to Tampa right now. So no matter what, I'll see spring training down this way. As far as the minor leaguers go, even if we don't have uh, an MLB spring training, um, the only hitch with that is, and this is a, a question that we'll answer later is the guys that are on the 40 man. So like Oswaldo Cabrera and, and Steven writings as an example, won't be able to participate in anything because they're 40 men. So they're, they're stuck either way. Um, I just looked it up. Uh, it's actually the Mariners and the giants who are favorites to land uh, Seiya Suzuki. Yeah. So that would make sense to me. Cause I think um, any of the West coast teams, they're going to drive more of a, um, the Japanese influence anyways, because look at how successful Ichiro was in Seattle. So that makes total sense to me. And don't forget Otani in, in LA. He, yeah. he was just named as the cover athlete for MLB The Show 22. So he's he's making it big over there, there with uh, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim <laughs> as they're supposedly supposed to be. Yeah. And I think that's well-deserved on, on his part. He did, he's an incredible athlete being uh, such an elite pitcher and, and an insane hitter. So mm-hmm. well-deserved on his part. I don't really think anybody else deserved that more than him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, as far as the minor leaguers, John, uh, you know, staying with that, that topic, uh, who do you uh, want to see? I know this isn't in our script, but since you brought it up, uh, who do you think is going to, come up this year like is there anybody we could expect to see up with the Yankees either like in the middle of the year or September call-ups or you know injury concerns like how, what we saw with the writings when he came up when the bullpen was pretty much depleted I was thinking you know I wouldn't be surprised to see Oswald Peraza make a spot in the shortstop because you were mentioning how that was one of the places that you needed uh, you wanted to get fixed there's no reason that he can't play in say July, August, if not sooner than that, um, from what I've seen of him through video and in his stats. Now, granted, I wasn't fortunate enough to see him play in Tampa because of the way the restructuring worked or the reorganization worked with um, the farm system. 
2019, he was in then low A Charleston when Tampa was high A. Then Tampa got, so to speak, demoted to low A. Um, so when he started in Hudson Valley this year, that would have been the chance that I would have had to see him in um, in the minors. And then he just shot up from there. Um, as far as, I mean, outfield, there's, like you were mentioning before, you know, we, we want to see something with the outfield and with the catcher. Um, I mean, this was something that, that someone mentioned on Twitter is um, Rob Brantley. And then they were saying that they, they really don't like Rob Brantley, but you know what? He put up pretty decent stats in, in AAA Scranton. Um, he had 68 games, 66 hits, 35 runs, nine doubles, nine home runs, four to three RBI. You know, if, if he can convert that to minor league, uh, major league stuff from the minors, which from what I understand is hard to do, um, there's no reason he can't be a backup in case, you know, something happens to Sanchez. He, it's not an if, but when he falls into a slump, because he always does. Well, remember, the backup situation is already resolved with um, Higashioka, who, you know, make no mistake about it. I, I don't think Garrett Cole will appreciate, you know, the Yankees bringing him out and bringing in Rob Brantley as even if he were, say, an upgrade over Higashioka because like everybody knows he is Garrett Cole's personal catcher and, you know, him and Garrett Cole have that, you know, SoCal relationship and, you know, Garrett's gonna vouch for him every step of the way. So I don't see Higashioka leaving with as long as Garrett Cole is a pitcher on the Yankees, like at least for the time being, you know, things could change, obviously. Yeah. We got to see what happens with that. Um, I don't really understand what that's all about you know, having a personal catcher. I don't know why they let them do that, but it's Garrett Cole. He's the number one pitcher, you know, he's their ace. So you got to let him do that, I guess. I don't know if that was part of the contract or what that was all about. I mean, from what I remember when he was first signed, he, he had a lot of great things to say about Gary Sanchez. He, he would say how much he was looking forward to working with Gary and then, somehow along the way something happened where I guess they weren't in sync I guess Garrett didn't like how Gary calls games maybe he didn't trust him to stop those you know balls in the dirt as we all know Gary has that issue I don't know like I I would love to be a fly on the wall and and know exactly what caused that rift between them but it's it's more than apparent, John. You've seen it. You've seen it even in the playoffs. You know something is up when you're starting Kyle Higashioka in a do or die playoff game over Gary Sanchez. I'm sorry that that's there's something going on when that's happening. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know what the whole relationship is with that. Um, maybe that's something they get worked out after the lockout. You know, because either way, there's got to be some kind of spring training, assuming that there's um, the lockout gets resolved. Because if you look at the way 2020 was, you know, they, they kind of half-assed the the way that they did their spring training. Um, and then the, just everybody overall just didn't like the way 2020 was. Oh, so many injuries and all that. So you can't let that happen again this year. I agree. I agree. And, and let's just hope there is a full you know, spring training, not just, you know, for, for that, but just for the injury concerns, you know what I'm saying? You need to let these guys have a full spring training to get their bodies ramped up and their arms ramped up. I mean, granted, you've seen guys, you know, posting videos on Instagram of, of them working out, but it's not the same as getting, you know, in game shape as you, you can probably attest to seeing the Tampa Tarpons in person and seeing as much minor league baseball live as you do. You know, there's nothing like game action and getting in game shape. You know, you can lift as many weights as you want. Like Luke Voigt showed on Instagram. You could, you could do that until the cows come home as the, as the saying goes, but you know, it's not going to help you come, come April. So, John, uh, moving on to the next topic, what do you think about Carlos Beltran being added to the yes booth? 
I think it's going to be a good, um, a good addition. I mean, it's not going to replace David Cohn, so to speak, because you can't replace David Cohn. He's, he's such a good analyst as far as that goes. Um, I guess we'll see because I don't really have a lot of opportunity to watch Yankee games uh, just because I'm always at a Tarpons game or, you know, if there's a day game, sometimes I'm fortunate to be at a, a complex league game, just everything that I have going on. Um, so we got to see what happens with that. Um, I completely agree with you. There is no replacing Coney. Coney, his knowledge, especially on the pitching side is, you know, unparalleled and i feel like that's why he got the espn job keep in mind though john um he's only doing you know a certain amount of games for espn meaning that he's still gonna do games for yes it's not like david Cohn is leaving yes completely so we'll still be able to get our david Cohn fix thankfully as yankee fans um my thoughts on beltron is you never know like I've never heard him as an analyst so I'm excited and intrigued to see what he brings to the table um much like Coney he has a lot of knowledge but on the hitting side going back to even his days with with the Kansas City Royals you know he's always been a great ball player so you know I feel like you might have a nice yin yang combination there between Cone giving you the pitching knowledge and Beltran giving you the hitting knowledge, I feel like. What do you think? Um I mean I agree. I don't I it's what 55 games, 50 games, something like that that Coney's gonna do. So it's not like we're we're not gonna have Coney at all this year, but um we gotta see what happens. I've I've heard a lot of positive things or I've read a lot of positive things on Twitter. You know, a lot of kudos going to him and going to yes. Um, I guess we got to see what happens with the, um, what K cast or a rod cast or whatever the heck dumb ESPN name they came up with. So we got to see how that works out, but nobody's going to beat main and cast. Cause that's one of the best sports productions I think out there. And I don't really like football. So that's, you know, it's perfect for someone like me. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, um, to answer your question, I believe it's going to be called a K rod. Yeah, yeah. I knew it was a stupid name. All right. <laughs> yeah, okay. So. Yo quiero saber su pensamiento de la inducción al Salón de la Fama de David Ortiz. Como él se fue hmm. solo. Hmm. Yo quiero saber sus pensamientos. Porque hay mucha gente que dice que Barry Bonds y Roger Clemens y otros um, podían entrar pero hay el, el conversación de los esteroides. Yo no sé si eso es un, una cosa o, o qué. Mi, mi opinión sobre eso, John, es that si tú vas a dejar que uno entre eh, y, 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 virar el, y virar el ojo que a los esteroides de uno, tienes que hacerlo para todos. O sea... I don't think it's fair for my non-Spanish speakers that you turn a blind eye to one because he's a nice guy and you don't do it for the rest. Now, granted, everyone who knows me, even from my childhood, knows that I cannot stand. And I'm sorry, I know this is going to be an unpopular opinion amongst uh, Twitter verse because I've seen it. I've seen how much of support he gets, but I cannot stand Barry Bonds. I'm sorry. Like, I think the dude is full of himself. He is arrogant. And, you know, I feel like he roided up more than anybody. Like, I feel like he took it way too far, you know? And, and I know, I know the whole thing of, you know, you still need the hand-eye coordination, you know, without the hand-eye coordination, you still can't, you know, the roids don't help you with that. I get it. I get it. I really do. But without those roids, he would have the, the hand-eye coordination and, and he would still hit homers. But ask yourself this to, to all our listeners. Would he, would he have hit as many as he did without the roids? 
would his numbers be the Hall of Fame worthy numbers if he didn't do the roids? Let's just say he had half of the of the numbers he did. Is that still Hall of Fame worthy? That's something to think about. Now, was Barry still a great player? Yes. Um, but I I don't know, man. Like I I was never a fan of the guy. One guy who I do think deserved it and even with the roids and you know that whole controversy is Roger Clemens because unlike Bonds roids can only help you so much when you're pitching you know the roids help you hit the ball further but really like how do they help you pitching wise what they help you throw the ball harder okay guess what like we've seen with a role this Chapman, you could throw the ball as hard as you can, but you still got to throw it over the plate. You still got to throw it between the knees and the chest area. And in that little box that we see on ESPN and yes, all the time, Roger did that with ease. The dude always made sure that he had pinpoint accuracy. He always knew how to mess with hitters. He always knew how to work counts and he always knew how to put hitters away or at least, at the very least, induce weak contact. And he did it for how many years, John, if I'm not mistaken? I don't have the stats in front of me, but it was a long storied career. So for a guy like that to not get in, but for Ortiz to get in because he's a quote unquote nice guy, I I don't know. That just didn't sit well with me. And let's... Let me just put this out there and clear it up. This has nothing to do with me being a Yankee fan and him being a Red Sox. He could have been playing for the Mariners for all I care. You can't have your cake and eat it too if you're the MLB Writers Association. You cannot turn a blind eye to one guy that did roids because he's a nice guy and then, you know, not vote for the other guy because he's he was a you know that's that's just not right yeah and he did what three thousand uh strikeouts he had that um 2003 or something like that if i remember correctly um and even you know i i think kurt schilling deserved to get in you know i respect him as the from the other side of of the um the batter's box i guess you could say because Kurt Schilling was dominant with with the Red Sox, so there's no reason that he shouldn't have got in. Um, y también tiene la, la conversación de, de Sammy Sosa. Es la misma cosa de Barry Bonds. Porque él hizo la misma cosa y él estaba en el, en el um, the, the home runs in um, 98 with uh, Mark McGuire. The, um, the home run race, I guess you can call it. Um so there's the same conversation with Sammy as well. So I don't know. I guess we got to see what happens with the um, the today's era committee, I think is what they're called. We got to hope that they get some kind of um, recognition. From what I understand, it's harder to get on that ballot than it is um, on the regular ballot. So we got to see what happens with that. Uh, John, to, to pull it up, because I just pulled up the stats, he never had a 300. 300- strikeout season but he had 292 in 1997 with Toronto um he had 291 in 1988 with Boston and uh the following year 1998 uh the year following his 292 strikeout year he had 271 so he man like Clemens was he was a monster I meant career. What did he have career-wise? It was I know it was over three thousand. Oh, career. Yeah. Career-wise, he had over a twenty-four-year span. He had four thousand six hundred and seventy-two strikeouts. Yeah, that's insane. Not too shabby. <laughs> yeah. And and as we all always look when it comes to strikeouts, you look at strikeout and walk ratio, right? 4,672 strikeouts, 1,580 walks. That's a that's a pretty good ratio. Yeah. That's yeah, Hall that's of good. Fame worthy. Yeah. 
All right. So we're going to get to some fan questions. Um, every week we're going to put out there before we record the podcast. Um, we're going to put out there on our uh, Twitter account, Hot Esquina Pod. Uh, give us a follow. Um, we'll put out asking some fan questions. You know, what do you want to know about the system? What are our thoughts on the majors? Um, so we'll get to one friend of the podcast, Julian Giarte. Uh, he wants to know what the most underrated Yankees in the system and in the majors are. Uh, so I'll start off with that one. I'm going to do a pitcher and um, a hitter. So pitcher, I would say I'm really looking forward to seeing what Tyrone Uli can put up uh, this year. He had a zero ERA. I don't have the stats. I just know off the top of my head part of this. He had a zero ERA in a handful of games in uh, the complex league. He was absolutely dominant in the complex league. Um, and he throws mid upper 90 fastball. And then his breaking pitch, I think, is a he has a changeup and a slider. Um, and they're upper 80s, lower 90s. Um, he got to low A Tampa. There was a crowd. He got a little nervous. He got a little uh, anxious. Um, and he had an ERA that was close to nine um, in the couple games that he pitched there because um, he was promoted towards the end of the season in August. So I want to see what he can put up uh, this year. Um, because if, if it's an anxiety thing and I, trust me, I, I get the anxiety thing. I have anxiety too. So I get that, you know, I don't like performing in front of a crowd either. Um, I can never do national anthem. You don't want to hear me sing, but, um, yeah, cause you look at Tampa's attendance and then you look at like Hudson Valley's attendance and they pull almost triple what we're going to see in Tampa. So he has to get the anxiety figured out, you know, especially if he wants to perform in front of. 55,000 fans in the Bronx. Um, and as far as a hitter, I don't know. There's a lot of good guys in the Yankee system. Um, there's one of my favorite hitters that I saw this year was just added to the 40 man and Everson Pereira. Uh, I saw him in the complex league and in low weight Tampa. Um, and then he shot up through the ranks, went up to Hudson Valley. I wouldn't be surprised if he was in Somerset this year. Um, we'll talk about him a little bit more, uh, a little bit. Um, I don't know. There's, there's so many good guys. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to add one more pitcher just because, just because I, I need to think about a hitter. Sean Boyle needs to get more respect. I think, um, he started in low a Tampa and he ended in triple a Scranton by the end of the season. So he shot up through four levels in, um, 2021. And when, by the time he got to Scranton, he had a better ERA and a lower whip than he had in Tampa. And he was part of two no hitters. And I think it was Scranton. He was part of one. And then Hudson Valley, he was part of one. Um, you know what? I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he was on the Yankees roster by the end of the year, uh, assuming we have baseball. Um, but I think for my hitter, I'm going to pick Anthony Garcia. Um, he's got insane power. Um, he can hit both sides of the plate. So switch hitter is definitely not needed. I think with the way that, uh, baseball is nowadays, really tall guy. So that'll help him, uh, defend first base cause he can stretch pretty far. Um, so yeah, he's another one that I'm really looking forward to seeing. I expect him to start in uh, low A Tampa this year. Uh, what do you got Enrique? Okay, so since you went ahead and covered the minor league level, I'm going to go ahead and cover the majors. Um, I'm going to, like you, I'm going to go with a pitcher and a hitter, maybe a couple of pitchers, because there's a two, two pitchers that have my eye that could, I wouldn't say they're underrated, but they're not talked about enough, and I feel like they're in line for a big year this year. Like, you know, to, to me, John underrated is like nobody talks about them. The guys I'm going to mention, they are talked about, especially because they've opened eyes, but I feel like they're not talked about enough and they could take a leap. One, you'll, you'll agree with me the moment I say his name, Clay Holmes, who we got from the Pittsburgh Pirates. The guy opened his eyes, opened a lot of people's eyes ever since he get, came here and everybody was like, Clay who? including myself, I was like, who is this guy, you know, but he came in, was, you know, very effective coming in, um, 
definitely held down the eighth and seventh inning roles, respectively. I know sometimes they use them in the seventh, sometimes in the eighth. I could see this guy coming in this year, you know, improving and taking that next step and possibly cementing himself because, you know, it's not, it's one thing for him to be used in different spots like they did in 2021 with him. But I could see him coming in this year and really cementing himself as the eighth inning guy, like the setup guy behind Chapman. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe it, if Chapman struggles, like he's been known to struggle, you could see a scenario, at least I could see it, where, you know, Boone throws out Holmes and uh, Low Isaac uh, as far as like, you know, giving them a chance to close if Chapman struggles. So I could see, you know, Holmes in line for more opportunities this year if he continues down the path he was on, which I think he will be. Um, another pitcher who I feel, you know, doesn't get taught about enough and could be a, be a solid addition to the pen this year if he gets his stuff together because he's been so up and down in his Yankee career. Sometimes he shows flashes of brilliance. Other times he, he looks like he gets lit up. Uh, Michael King, Michael King, you probably got to see him in the minors, John, I'm assuming, right. Or no. Yeah. He was in Tampa a little bit in I think 18 or 19. I forget exactly when it was. Um, we saw a lot of guys in Tampa, John, uh, Johnny, uh, John Loisega, um, Michael King, Jordan Montgomery. I've seen a lot of the pitchers come up through the system. So, you know, you know that Michael King has the stuff. I'm sure you saw it when you saw him live down there. Um, for whatever reason, he just hasn't been able to have that same stuff consistently in the majors. I feel that with this pitching staff, the way it is, and with the, you know, the bullpen, the way it is, he has a real chance to solidify himself as a middle, as a middle of the bullpen piece, a guy that you could bring in in the six or seven, you know, and, and, or a guy that could literally give you some innings. If, you know, say, I don't know, say uh Tyone pitches and he gets rocked and, and Boone wants to take him out after the third, I feel like Michael King could be that guy that comes in and steadies the ship, so to speak, and gives you innings and gives you solid relief. He just has to prove that he has that consistency and, and can do it day in and day out. And, and I feel like he has a real chance to do that in 2022. Um, for my hitter, and <laughs> I know Yankee fans are probably going to be like, get out of here with that, you know? And they're going to be like, this guy's crazy. But I'm sorry, you know, I, I got to go with this guy because I don't see anybody else that jumps out at me. Given how bad he did last year and how much he let people down as far as expectations are concerned, I feel that this is a good chance for Joey Gallo to come in and show people that he can be a better player than he was last season and that he could be the guy he was while he was with Texas. I get it. I get it. Yankee fans. The strikeouts suck. I know. I know. Believe me. They, they, they infuriate me too, but strikeouts aside because he had the strikeouts in Texas too. And look at what a force he was for them. You know, there's a reason the guy got invited to, to the home run derby. And there's a reason that he's been an all-star, I believe, more than once. So he's shown you that he can do it. Now, did he disappoint in 2021? Yeah. Did maybe playing for the pinstripes and the bright lights of New York get to be too much for him? Who knows? But of all the people I'm looking at, when I see this Yankee roster, I don't see anybody else uh, that qualifies as underrated going into 2022 other than him. And maybe, maybe 
Glaber Torres. Those are the only two that I think could really take a step forward in 2022 and be like, oh yeah, you know, have Yankee fans be like, oh yeah, that's the guy we we know and love, you know? What do you think, John? Do you agree? I agree on Gallo. I don't know how I feel on uh, Glaber, just because I think Glaber's big thing is he has uh, kind of an attitude problem almost with the way that his approach is, you know? So I don't know. I don't know if that's something that we can fix or that the Yankees can fix. Um, you know, I mean, if nothing else, I do believe in Dylan Lawson, what I've seen down here, how he's been able to turn around the, um, the performance of the minor leagues. Tell me more about him. The being that you've actually gotten to see him and you've actually gotten to be around him down in Tampa. Um, tell me for, for guys like me that don't know much about him and maybe other Yankee fans that don't know much about him. Give us some, some insight. I, I can't say that I've really ever met him personally. Um, you know, I've just, I've just seen the work that he and his coaches under him have put in, um, including the new Tarpons manager, Rachel Belkovic, you know, seeing what they've been able to work with, um, the players that I've spoken to, uh, as far as both of them go, they all speak very highly of them. Um, so I'm very optimistic as far as that goes with, seeing what they can do with their respective teams um, in 2022, especially with Dylan Lawson, because I think they needed a, um, a change of face in, in the Bronx. You know, I think between him and his assistant hitting coach, Casey Dykes, um, who was previously in AAA Scranton, um, I think that's going to, I think that's going to really do well for them. You know, only time's going to, only time can tell with what happens with that, but you know, especially we got to wait for this lockout to get resolved. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what Dylan can put in in the Bronx. Um, and like I was saying before, I want to see what what Rachel can do with the rapport that she's built. I want to see what what if she can do anything to improve the the Tarpons over what David Adams put uh, with the team last year. And don't forget, we went to the playoffs. You know, I was fortunate enough to cover a playoff game, and it was it was a heartbreaker, but. You know, there's only two teams that make it in the entire league that go to the playoffs. That's, that's impressive. Um, and, and you were saying that you're hoping that maybe he can have a good impact on Glaber? I don't, yeah, because I don't know. Um, I don't know if Glaber is someone that, that can be turned around. I guess we got to see what happens. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's if... And it's funny because Glaber and Geo are like BFFs looking at the, the videos that they're putting on Instagram. They're both working out down here in Tampa. Um, and it's, it's crazy how Glaber and Geo have complete polar opposite um, ethics on the field, work ethics on the field, because Geo was the guy in, in um, the wildcard game that went running after a ball going into the, the dugout. Um, and then Glaber would, he wouldn't run, you know, full speed going down the line to, to first base. So I don't, I mean, that's something I don't get. I don't know if, if Geo can have any kind of impact on them given how close they are, but that's another thing. Only time will tell what happens with that. I mean, let's hope, let's hope that, you know, both of them can, can, you know, do something this year and, and add something to this big league club. Um, don't forget, though, there's there's a lot of rumors that Gio might be a prime trade candidate, you know, once the lockout is over. So we're here talking about Gio and Gio might not even be a Yankee like this. Con <laughs> we yeah. might be looking back at this conversation and it might be a, a conversation for cold takes exposed. You know what I'm saying? Like, so we'll see. Um, but that's definitely one of the reasons I mentioned earlier that I want that shortstop situation resolved because. If it is indeed true that they're going to trade Gio away, you know, you have a hole there now because he was essentially your shortstop after they moved Glaber to second. So we'll see. Yeah, and, and uh, we can get into more of the questions um, as far as that's concerned because there's a, there's one of the guys um, that's part of this question that I think could help fix that position. So Twitter account, baseball only account, wants to learn more about minor leaguers added to the 40-man and what impact they will have this year. 
Well, as it stands right now, they're not going to have any impact because there's a lockout. So they can't even attend spring training or anything. But assuming we have a lockout that gets resolved, um, one of the guys that I'm really looking forward to seeing is, he's kind of a utility infielder, Oswaldo Cabrera. Um, he plays second base, he plays shortstop, and he plays third. Um, so wherever they need, you know, I don't really want to use the term stopgap, but that's kind of the term that's been going around. So wherever they need something like that, I mean, 2021 was for a lot of players, it was a kind of a breakout year and 2021 was definitely a breakout year for Cabrera. I was fortunate enough to see him in Tampa in 2019 and he was just kind of those, you know, whatever kind of guys, you know, he didn't really bring a lot of attention to me. Um, the numbers he put up in 2021 were insane. Um, he played 118 games, 514 played appearances, 72 runs, 127 hits. Uh, he had 31 doubles, 29 home runs, uh, 89 RBI. And then he had a slash of 272, 314, 403, and 717. Um, so I figure he'll play a little bit in um, Scranton this year the Yankees will evaluate, see what happens. And then he'll go up, I would say at some point because of everything that they have going on, you know, let's say somebody gets hurt. You know, I think he'll be one of the first call-ups, either him or Oswald Peraza. Um, that, that's, that's exactly who I was going to ask you about, John. How about Peraza as a possible call-up instead of uh, Cabrera? I think Peraza is closer to being called up than Cabrera is just because he started in, I think he started in Hudson Valley. I, I don't have the the stats right in front of me. Um, let me see if I can look that up real quick. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that Peraza would be closer to get uh, getting a call up than um, um, Cabrera. Cabrera. Yeah. So. Looking at looking at Peraza, um, he seemed to pretty much have a very solid uh, 2021 with a uh, with a 477 slugging. He had uh, a 297 batting average, uh, 38 stolen bases. You know, uh, 356 uh, on base percentage. He seems ready like and he did this at the i believe triple a yeah he did this between uh hudson valley somerset and triple a ball so i mean he seems like the kind of player that the yankees could use especially with that speed that your whole take about glaber not hustling that doesn't seem to be what would happen with peraza he seems like he'd give you full hustle yeah, and um, Cabrera is another one that's pretty speedy. Um, you know, especially he can, I think, you know, like I said, I haven't seen Peraza in person, but from what I understand, Peraza can play second, short, and third, just like Cabrera can. So between the two of those, the Yankees, I think, can figure out any of the issues that they may have, move some guys around. Um, I don't know what their plans are with Rizzo. I don't know if he's getting re-signed because I think he was a free agent. Um, yes. So... I mean, who knows what with that? Maybe they move DJ to first and they have Cabrera and uh, Peraza play second, third, short, something like that, and then have a combination of them, Geo, um, Glaber, who knows? That would be really interesting. Um, yeah, uh, Rizzo is a free agent at this moment in time. Obviously, that could change once the lockout happens, but... Um, that's another position that we didn't get into uh, in this pod that uh, that's yet to be resolved, either internally, like you said, by moving um, DJ there or by, you know, keeping Voight, which, you know, that ship seems to have sailed, uh, re-signing Rizzo or going after, I know the, and, and I know it's a pipe dream, but going after Freddie Freeman or somebody like that. So, you know, if they do go internally and move uh, DJ to first and then have Cabrera and Peraza as your middle infielders, I'd be curious to see how that would work out um, with, with Glaber. 
like what effect would that have on Glaber? How would you then play Glaber? Would you DH him? Would you, you know, play him sporadically, give him some days off? Like how how would that work? I'm curious. I don't know. Um, and something I was just thinking about is the Yankees don't have a lot of uh, first base um, prospects because the only two that I can really think of is Chad Bell, um, who, if I remember correctly, last uh, ended in double A Somerset and then Anthony Garcia. And then those are kind of the, the two top end, um, lower end top end, I guess you could say, prospects. So. I honestly, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they kind of mess around with second shirt, uh, short and third, and move Glaber over to um, uh, not Glaber, DJ over to first. They had they had last season, or I believe the season before, they had that kid Chris Giddens who did really good, and, and you know for some reason that didn't pan out, and now he's um, in Japan with Masahiro Tanaka, <laughs> so. There goes that as, as yeah. a possible, uh, you know, option. Yeah, he was another one I was fortunate enough to see in Tampa. Um, you know, I wish him the best. I think he's going to do really well in Japan. Um, and that seems to be where a lot of careers uh, tend to take off. And then you get a little bit more exposure because Japan, to me, I think Japan seems like it's a bigger market for baseball than in the States because we have so much to going on. Football, basketball, hockey. Um, in addition to baseball, um, and then baseball is kind of it for them and golf and tennis, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and at least there, they don't have that to deal with the whole, uh, spider tag thing because they already have something mixed into the baseball. So they don't have that controversy going on there. Yeah. Um, some other guys I want to get into, uh, JP Sears, um, He's a left-handed pitcher. He pitched in 25 games. He had a 10 and two record, 3.46 ERA, 104 uh, innings pitched. He gave up 86 hits, 40 earned runs, 11 home runs, and he had a WHIP of 1.11. Um, I saw him in Tampa. He he was again. He was a name that I would remember, but he wasn't really impressive. I guess you could say. Um, but this year he was kind of starting to do a little bit of a breakout year. Um, but the one that I, the one that did have a really good breakout year that I think Yankee fans will know is Stephen writings. Um, because he did make his major league debut in 2021. Um, he had a 1.24 ERA last year uh, in the minors in 22 games. Um, I'm not going to get into the rest of the stats because a 1.24 ERA with a 0.69 whip is about as good as you can get as far as I'm concerned. Um, and Yankee fans know what he's capable of. I think he was like a hundred mile an hour fastball and, and he has control over it, which as far as minor leagues is concerned, that's impressive because you don't always get the control and the speed. And that's something that you were talking about earlier, Enrique. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and Sears, um, I, I've read that he's, a possible, you know, guy to keep an eye out for this season. I, I forgot where I read it, but I, I read somewhere that he's a name to look out for. So you never know. Yeah. Um, and the possibility exists, like you were saying before, the possibility exists that any of these guys get, get traded because that's exactly what happened with Donnie Sands. And he was who I was expecting to be the Gary Sanchez replacement, so to speak. And then they go and they trade him away to the Phillies. Um, so that was a bit of a heartbreaker to me because, I saw a lot of promise with him, you know, with, he had such an insane 2021, but I decided to see him go. And we have a lot of good catching prospects in the system. Um, Austin Wells, um, Antonio Gomez, Josh bro. Um, you know, we got a lot of good guys. So that's catching isn't really a concern, but it's still a little upsetting to see a, a top prospect like that go. I agree. I agree. And, you know, but it is, it is what it is. It's the nature of the business, right, John, you it's, know, you gotta, <laughs> it's at the end of the day, it's a business and you got to do what's better for the bottom line, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not only that, but sometimes you just got to do it to make room for other acquisitions or other guys that, you know, you want to bring in even, and, and sometimes it's not even like major leaguers. Sometimes there's just other minor leaguers you want to bring in and you got to make room. There's only so much room on the 40 and, on the 60 man, you know, like, so you gotta, 
sometimes guys are just casualties and I am with you. I, I like Donnie Sands as well. And I, I was also disappointed that he got traded. I didn't get to see him as much as you did, but I heard great things. Yeah. I heard a lot of good things when he got up into the upper levels. And again, he was one that when he was in Tampa in 2019, he didn't really impress, you know, he was just kind of one of those, you know, he'll get to double a and, you know, maybe he'll make it past double A and then he just really exploded in 2021. So, you know, good for him. I think he'll really get a shot with the Phillies. Um, he'll get to play some major league games with the Phillies. So, you know, sometimes it's the casualties are worth it. Um, just so that these these guys get a chance to play in the majors. I agree. Um, so we got one more pitcher on the 40-man edition uh, from November, Ron Marinaccio. Um Speaking to a lot of my um, my colleagues with Pinstripe Prospects, they all spoke super highly of him. Um, he primarily was in uh, AA Somerset. Um, so he was in 40 games. He had a 2.04 ERA with a 2.1 record, or 2-1 record, uh, 66 and a third innings pitched. He gave up 15 earned runs on 35 hits, gave up four home runs and a whip under one at 0 0.93. Um, I never got to see him. He was another one like Oswald Peraza that uh, skipped over Tampa. So I can't tell you my personal opinion on him, um, but all the stuff that I've heard is, is really positive. So the Yankees must also see something if they added him to the 40 man, you know, to protect him from whatever possible rule five draft that there may or may not be. Um, someone who I did get to see was Everson Pereira. Um, I was fortunate to see him in um, the Complex League and in Loe Tampa. He was quickly promoted to Loe Tampa, uh, similar to Jason Dominguez, who we will talk about next week. Um, so you'll have to come back and listen to my thoughts on that one next week. Um, but going back to Everson, 49 games, he had 183 plate appearances, uh, 47 runs on 57 hits, um, 20 home runs, 57 RBI, um, had a 303 batting average, uh, with an OPS of 1.084, just puts up insane numbers. He has really good power, super fast. Um, one of the best outfielders I've seen at in the lower levels, if not the best, um, and then above all is he's a really nice guy, you know, and, and that's kind of one of the things that's important to me is, you know, the way that he looks up for his fans and the media, because going back to what we were talking about before is, um, you know, if writers were snubbing some of the guys to the hall of fame, just because they were buttheads, you know, I think the possibility is there for Pereira to be in the hall of fame just because he's a nice guy. You know, and that sounds kind of silly, but it's just kind of how he is. You know, he's a lot of these, and that goes to a lot of the minor leaguers. A lot of these guys are, are humble. You know, they, they realize that they worked hard. You know, they want the attention to put their name out there. Um, and I'm happy, you know, you work hard and, and you, you put up good numbers, then I'm happy to talk about you. And, you know, Everson Pereira is one of them. You know, he, he comes from Venezuela. They don't have a lot of stuff like we're fortunate to have in the States. Um, so just seeing the work ethic that he's put in, um, between the lower levels. And then I would think he would get up to double a Somerset, um, this spring, assuming that the, the lockout gets resolved. Um, and I think he's going to be one of the bigger casualties for not getting enough play time. If the 40 man, uh, if the, of the 40 man guys that the uh the lockup doesn't get resolved quickly um because i think he needs those he needs that experience he needs those ab's do you think that he's a guy to keep an eye out for as far as making it to the major league level obviously not this season but like you know in 2023 let's just say if if you know the whole outfield situation doesn't get resolved you know there's so much I, I mentioned that earlier there's such a question mark at center field where there really shouldn't be because Aaron Hicks should have that position solidified he's such a great defender 
you know, I, I know in, in nowadays we talk about offense and offensive numbers, but you see this guy run down balls like it's nothing. You know, he gives that all-out hustle that we talked about earlier, John, and gives his body to this team night in and night out when he's healthy. You know, I'll never forget that catch that Ryan Rucco called that he made to end the game against the Twins. Yep. I saw that and my eyes bulged open where yep. I was like, what? I was like, he made that catch? Like, I, I, I couldn't believe the distance he got on that dive to make that, that grab. And for me, it's, it's a real crying shame when a guy like that can't stay healthy because if he were to stay healthy, not for the, not for the full 160 something game season, because let's face it, nobody stays healthy for a full season anymore, but at least for the majority of it, my God, like we wouldn't be having this conversation, John, we wouldn't be having a conversation about center field if he stayed healthy for the majority of a season. But unfortunately here we are because he just can't. So given that, would Pereira be a guy to possibly fill those shoes if eventually the Yankees move on from Hicks as much as I would hate to see it happen? Well, so I would say, yes, he's a little bit more down the line. I would say he's late 23, maybe 24. Um, given the speed, because they, they seem to they want to promote guys once they have the experience. They don't want to just shove guys up into the majors and then you know, we'll see what happens. We'll just kind of throw them into the fire and see what happens. The Yankees don't want to take that kind of approach. Um, but you're talking about injury prone. And one of the guys that I really liked seeing was um, Esteban Florial. Um, but he's another one that's, he was super injury prone in Tampa and he was in Tampa forever. And, you know, I kind of felt bad for him because you could tell he was getting a little depressed after a while, you know, I'm still in Tampa. All my buddies are getting moved up and, you know, it's, He's super quick, um, especially in the giant center field that the Yankees have in Yankee Stadium, you know, and with San Bernard Field having the same kind of dimensions as Yankee Stadium, um, the guys at the lower levels can get an idea at, you know, this is this is how big it is, this is what kind of ground I need to cover. This is the kind of routes that I need to take. Um, I would like to see him get a shot over Everson Pereira just because he has the experience. Um, Everson, I mean, he hasn't even really played um, a full season yet, so to speak, just because the complex league starts in uh, end of June, their home opener was June 29th. So that's almost two months after when say Anthony Volpe debuted for the Tarpons this year. Um, so Volpe has more experience as far as a full season than Pereira does, even though they're on the same team right now. Um, Pereira, I think is someone we can keep an eye on if I'm honest, because of the trade rumors that happened, he was supposed to be part of a package. I think it was with Rizzo as far as that trade package was concerned. Um, I really don't want to see that happen, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised because of how highly touted he is as a prospect and given all of the outfield uh, prospects we have, especially at the lower levels, like Dominguez, um, Aldeni Sanchez, there's a bunch of guys that we have down here that have the possibility of, of doing great things in the Bronx. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's um, I would, I would hate to see the guy go. And especially if like you say, you know, he's as nice a guy as, as he is. And, and if, you know, he's, as good as you say he is you know if he if he's got that much talent and you got a guy like Florian who also has talent but can't stay healthy it would behoove the the Yankees to keep a Pereira there just in case you know a Florian doesn't work out for injury concerns just like if a Hicks doesn't work out because of injury concerns like you always have, have to have a backup plan so I would also hate to see him go, but, you know, I guess we'll see. Um, I, I don't remember him being mentioned in the Rizzo talks, but I do remember his name being floated around in the other trade talks. So I'm, I'm with you there, John. Like, yeah, I don't know if it was always, Rizzo or someone else. Name, oh, okay. Um, 
yeah, he, he's a name you always hear out there for some reason. I guess, I guess other clubs see what you see, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's all for this week. We will be back with more baseball content, no matter what in the weeks to come, whether there's a lockout or not, because like I said, we're going to have baseball in the minor leagues. Um, so we'll have some stuff in Tampa at some point. Uh, a lot of the, the um, Yankees minor leaguers are coming to Tampa. They're on route right now. I guess they have, Report date next Sunday is what I understand. Um, so we'll see baseball no matter what. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hot Iskinapod. Uh, we'll, we'll take more of your questions for the upcoming episodes. And thank you for listening. <laughs>